1: Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's ego is way too big to say thank you to someone else. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly streaming live. Most Fridays are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo, flash. I'm your host Aaron Dicer and he just arrived in an uber exec it's Andrew Ormsby ladies and gentlemen
2: I got that money to spend ahoy
1: <laughs> each week we'll chat about movies tv and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds and please welcome our guest this week he thinks the windbreakers should have traded Lutz years ago for some draft picks it's John Negroni ladies and gentlemen.
3: Oh, your puns are going to make me cry, like the water element.
1: Uh, you're welcome. You're all you're all very, very welcome. Uh, and John, you are welcome. Welcome back. It's good to good to see you. Um, you're always my my first uh, reach out when I know we're talking Pixar. Um, it is definitely an obsession that we have shared over the years. So,
3: how are things going? That's true. Some would say our obsession with Pixar is a little unhealthy, but and they're right. They're right. <laughs> It's good. It's good. I haven't seen Andrew in in a while because he wasn't here for Lightyear. That's right. um, I remember that.
1: Last year, right before Lightyear, Andrew messaged me and said, I really don't want to talk to John. Uh, John's going to be on the show? Yeah. What? He tricked me this Uh. week. (laughs) Yeah, I just didn't let him know. Uh, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, He said it was going to be John Paula.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what it was. Uh well we are glad to have you back and uh it is always fun to talk movies with you, Pixar or uh Pixar or not. Um it's uh it's always good to hear your opinions. Uh by the way, John, a great follow on Twitter. Uh always enjoy seeing uh, what's going on um over there in your world. So that's uh at John Negroni if you want to uh check that that's out. That's a nice
3: way to put it, Aaron. <laughs> I can I can almost see you like seeing some of my tweets and being like, Wow <laughs> There he is. Really,
1: is that what you think?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, it also, I just thought of this a few minutes ago, but it's actually been five years since the first time I was on Sifpop. a little mm-hmm. bit of an anniversary because it mm-hmm. was uh, June 2018. Yeah, we talked Incredibles 2.
1: Yes, Incredibles so, two was the first time you
3: were on. How's that? How's Incredibles two holding
1: up for you in you know five years later? How do you you still feel pretty much the same
3: about it or? i still like it you know i actually just did a little pixar ranking you know on Mm -hmm. the letterboxd website and uh it's it's not like high up the list you know but like none of the movies on there i think are bad except for cars too so they're all just you know that part Mm -hmm. of the list is all just a mix of like movies that i think are watchable and fun are you a fellow good dinosaur apologist i can't remember oh yeah 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 i thought we Heck shared yeah. that yeah
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite so
3: um more andrew, rewatchable the than people i think assume what's that john i i did think good dinosaur was actually pretty rewatchable yeah you know every time i rewatch the movies and i go back to it i'm like oh you know i'm Sutton Lynn for this but i know that most people are like andrew um you know mm-hmm. anti-believers <laughs> hey i love that for
1: you guys i love that for you good is right in the title how could it be anything else i mean it's just you know good night good luck like if you put good in the title you're just you're all set
2: i'll have to remember that for my (laughs) Andrew is
1: racking his brain for a bad good title uh maybe we'll get there
3: and andrew's no because the first thing that came up was the good the bad
2: and the ugly and that's the best movie ever made (laughs) yeah there you
1: see there
3: you you go what about the Bad Moms Christmas movie? Yeah, it's terrible.
0: I know. I know. It's oh, just, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. It's, it's just it's un, undefeated. Uh, we are going to have some uh, some fun talking about movies. We're going to talk a little bit about The Flash, uh, which is in theaters, and then some Pixar. Elemental uh, is out this week as well. We are kind of hitting the glut of the summer. It's interesting. Um, the blackening just i can't remember if it was this week but that just came out that's getting some fun buzz yeah. uh there was extraction 2 on this on netflix they came out this week that we'll probably talk about on a later show um so yeah and i think even asteroid city was in preview like some early release previews this week too so it was a crazy limited yeah. yeah
3: and i think past lives is uh right. opening this week and next week to more theaters too
1: Yeah, so uh, wow, Uh, lots of stuff. We'll hit a couple of them uh, for you. Then we're going to do a Best Ever Challenge, Best Ever Actor Comeback Movies, where an actor came back after more than a decade to reprise a role. Uh, So we'll count down those. And of course, we'll do some buried treasure as well. But let's get right into it. Let's talk a little bit about The Flash. So you're saying you could travel back
0: in time. Bruce, I can fix things. I can save people. I can save my mom. I can save your parents.
3: You can also destroy
0: everything. I love you, bud. I love you, too.
3: So, how was it this week? How's school? School was good. Oh, shit. This is mad trippy. Dude, this is catastrophic.
1: When his attempt to save his family inadvertently alters the future, Barry Allen becomes trapped in a reality in which General Zod has returned and there are no superheroes to turn to. In order to save the world that he is in and return to the future that he knows, Barry's only hope is to race for his life. But will making the ultimate sacrifice be enough to reset his universe? Uh, (laughs) what do we think? Did you like it? Uh, love it, dislike it, hate it? Or it was just okay? Uh, John, let's start with you.
3: Sure. I disliked it. Uh, Not high side of dislike, not low side. It's just a plain dislike. Just dislike this movie. Uh,
2: Andrew. Uh, high highs and low lows. So I'm just going to go with a solid liked it. Mm. Didn't really like it didn't
1: kind of like it. Just liked it. Mm, mm. You guys are just both playing the middle of your categories. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I guess it's up to me then not to play the middle of the category. Uh, I'm going to go on the low side of liked it. Um, I I did have a good time with this movie, uh, if nothing else. Uh, but Andrew, since you were in the middle of liked it, you liked it a little more than me. So tell, hey. us, about the, tell us about the best movie of the year, The Flash. Uh, it's a really fascinating entry into the
2: superhero franchise, because I think it tries to do stuff that no other superhero is a movie has done before. I'm not saying it succeeds. (laughs) I'm definitely not saying this movie succeeds at everything Mm -hmm. it attempts, but you got to give credit where credit is due for a director really just swinging for the fences. And I think that Muschietti really is trying to make a grand grand movie here. It doesn't work all the time, but there are some moments. And actually, I think the moments where I didn't expect it to hit as well as it did, like the emotional stuff, really worked for me. Like the stuff between Barry Allen and his mother uh, almost kind of, you know, brought a little bit of a tear to my eye. I'm not going to lie. It was some pretty emotional stuff. Ezra Miller, quick uh, question in favor I'm asking of you guys. Is it possible we can talk about this movie without talking about the Ezra Miller controversies? Well, like I mean, every we, other.
1: we can do what we generally do, which is to say we are here to re- review a movie. We can mention other things that go on around the movie. That's fine. But there is ultimate grace in this environment to, you know, not have to have an opinion on everything or at least mention everything within the review. So yeah, no, that's fine. You don't, you don't have to go into cool. that at all. I would also ask for grace in case uh, uh, I'm going to try to be very careful about not misgendering Ezra um, because I know they go by they, them. Um, and I, I want to make sure that I do that. But, also, I know that I am human and that uh, I might accidentally do that. So I, I, uh, I, I appreciate that grace uh, to exist in the real world. Um, so, yeah. But that's, is that what you mean? Like just not to have to like judge the movie by that conversation or the controversy? Is that what you're talking about?
2: Exactly. Yeah. And also I think that everybody who is going to see this movie most likely either already knows about it or they don't know about it and they really don't care. They just it's wanted so to see a been, movie. It's
1: certainly been in the the cultural consciousness f- for a while. Like it's not it's yeah. not new information. Uh, that exactly is the, that is certainly true. Yeah. Right,
3: that's fair. We shouldn't discount that it can be very distracting, of depending course. on how much you know about the situation. You know, so like, right. I don't blame anyone who's kind of coming out the movie being like, "How am I supposed to?" Like all they can think about is like all the real life stuff happening behind the scenes, and yeah, that's going to be reality for some people who watch this.
1: I I am, have always been one who doesn't mind having the open conversation. Um, that That's always, to me, going to be more beneficial than not having the conversation. And there really is, especially as we continue to have less and less privacy and more and more knowledge about people that we see on big screens and call heroes. Uh, there is more and more conversation about... Um, how they live their lives, the choices that they make, and if uh, they do something that, you, you know, uh, contradicts uh, with our view of morality and what is right and what is wrong, how does that impact our, our ability to process them as a piece, not the whole, a piece of an entertainment product? Um, now, granted, a very front-facing piece, and I do think that matters, but a piece of the whole product. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's a valuable, uh, conversation to have. And, uh, I don't know that I'm afraid of having it. I just don't, I think Mm -hmm. you're right that it's not necessary. It's not necessary for anybody who's on the show to have an opinion on that, to have an opinion on the movie, if that makes sense, or to state an opinion on that, I should say.
2: Certainly. Uh, I think what I was really trying to get at is I don't want every single time I say, Ezra Miller was really, really good in this movie to have to have a preface, you know, by saying I listen, I just watch I'm separating uh, a character from I just watched
1: Quantumania again for the first time since news has come out about things and stuff in people. And it was hard. It was difficult. Like it it impacts the way we see things. It really does. Um, but yes, I hope, uh, Andrew, that you feel comfortable enough. To know that the audience will give you the grace to uh, praise a performance without feeling like that means you're praising the human being giving the performance and all the choices that they make.
2: It's that, and also a fear that the show would turn into a gossip column. <laughs> sure. You know? No, I'm totally with you there. Totally too with you. Late. <laughs> <laughs> too late. Too late. Yeah. What? What have I said us now? All that to say, <laughs> all plan. of that. That <laughs> entire right. last five minutes is all an attempt for me to say. Man, Ezra Miller is good in this movie. He is really good, in my opinion. Like portraying, or like the acting ability that he's showing, is not easy to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, think... and I don't know how far we want to get into that with spoilers. With no, how the movie,
1: I, it's it's so difficult for me anymore to know what is a spoiler and what isn't. Uh, I am always flabbergasted by what's in the trailer when I see it uh, because. Like usually, the first time is live on the show, so I'm just watching the flash trailer for the first time. It was was playing kind of over some of our stuff, and I I was I I knew I knew in my heart of hearts because of conversation that the you know that the Michael Keaton thing wasn't being considered a spoiler that it was you know everybody knew that he was in the movie. But I also knew in my heart of hearts that how much better is this movie if you don't know? Like I just it's it's one of those things that just gets me every single time where I'm just like, do you and I always go back to uh the um the M night movie, uh Split, right? I always go back to that last scene in Split and how No somehow, they didn't. somehow he kept that secret, right? And I'm just like Yeah. The fact, but probably because it was self-financed and he had a lot of say in it or whatever. But like, if, if you can keep the secrets, they can be so much fun. Uh, anyways, that's, that's kind of a sidebar, but, um, but oh. yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think Ezra is doing really good work here for uh, a couple of reasons. One is I, I think they're talented. I think that the, the, the performance on both sides of what he's doing, I'll just say that whether it's a spoiler or not, um, are interesting, distinct, and purposeful. And that gets me to my second part of the, the performance, which I think is more of a writing thing than a performance thing. I think the idea of how crisis events in our life literally change us portrayed really, really well in that performance. Um, and it would be easy to say, uh, part of this performance, the duality of this performance is shallow and basic, but it's not, it is un, it is unrefined. There hasn't been a refining to that, um, that character in a way. So it, it works. And I, I I, I really I am with you. I think the performance uh, was really well, both for the writing and for uh, what Ezra was doing uh, in the, in the duality of that that role. Um, so yeah, I agree with you there uh, about about the performance.
2: Yep, John. Any pros? No, you're not the biggest <laughs> fan of the movie, but anything about it you like?
3: Well, I do agree to some extent that I certainly wasn't watching the movie constantly thinking about the Ezra Miller of it all. Mm -hmm. I I did get sucked in. I I was seeing Barry Allen, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. plural. And I, I was able to just kind of sit with the movie. I think the best parts of this movie for me are the opening, the the cold open, where we're just kind of getting into this world a little bit and we're we're kind of hanging out with Barry Allen and they're to me glimmers of just a really like solid, comfortable, confident comic book hero movie that clearly I think is what Andy Muschietti wanted to make. And then I actually think the last like 10 minutes of this movie, I was kind of into its groove. it took it took a while but i got there um there there is like a a reveal at the very very end that i was like okay that's actually fun that that's kind of what i'm i'm coming here Mm -hmm. hoping to see because i went into this with kind of rock bottom expectations to be honest um in terms of uh it's just hard for me to watch movies when i know in the back of my head that they're kind of just changing everything behind the scenes and this might not really Mm -hmm. matter but then i remind myself None of this matters anyway. It's fine. There's you know? <laughs> right. it almost something kind yeah. of exciting, right? You, you could watch it without that baggage and be like, they'll probably not continue this. We may never see, we'll probably never see Ezra Miller as the Flash again. So they, that means they can do anything they want with this. And, uh, you know, I, that's almost to the detriment. Detriment of the movie, if you're expecting it to be this kind of big reset or anything like that, I won't give it away. But, uh, you know, obviously, you come into the movie with your own sort of expectations and manage them. And I I can certainly see why it's appealing to people because it it does hit a lot of those like comic book grooves that I think Hollywood kind of has to a science at this point even as it by osmosis <laughs> because of Marvel.
1: I, I want to jump off that a, uh, a little bit to say, uh, kind of expand on what you're talking about with expectations, because this was not the movie I expected. This was very, very far from the movie I expected. Um, and maybe it's the Marvel of the world of it all, where, again, recently watching uh, Quantumania, That movie is an excuse to world build the franchise. It is not like that movie is not an Ant-Man movie. That movie is a MCU movie. And I expected this to be a a, a big piece in the move, right, to whatever's next. And it's it's not. It's a very, I think, fairly contained Flash story, which I was not expecting um, and actually kind of appreciated um, because it felt... Of all the multiverse stuff we're seeing, this to me felt the most contained and a little had a few more guardrails, which can be a pro and a con in some ways than than other of the recent multiverse movies. Um, so uh, I actually uh, appreciated about that. But I think it's fair to say uh, that it is not the movie I expected. And uh, if if you're expecting Flashpoint to, you know, be this kind of thing that that uh, moves the the needle forward. Um, it doesn't really do that. It's, it's not. It doesn't really yeah. move yeah. the needle
3: forward. To your point, it cares more about the past than yes. it does the future. Yeah, very yeah. much.
1: So. It, really, it really. I I was really um, really moved by how much it cares about its central character. It cares about Barry Allen. This movie really cares about Barry Allen and and really understanding um, who he is and what that means. So yeah.
2: I think that whenever people hear like the premise for the story of Flashpoint that they think that it's going to be, you know, this grand telling of the entire DC universe, mm-hmm. this else world of, you know, a different Batman, a different Joker, a different Superman, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um but then whenever they read it, they realize, "Oh, this is this is a Barry Allen story. Mm-hmm. It's not this great Justice League, you know, Uh, crazy adventure. This is a story about Barry Allen and the, the hardships that he went through. Like if you had the tools, would you say uh, to hell with the risks and try and, you know, uh, try and do what you think is right as opposed to, you know, letting go and uh, accepting fate it's, it's, it's a very interesting story
1: well it's 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 worth mentioning we just saw this story this this theme like i mean to the letter we saw this theme in spider-verse a week ago you know what i mean like or, or two weeks ago or whenever um and
3: i'll save my commentary on that for the <laughs> negatives i do i do have another positive though for we're talking yeah, go about for it go for it performances too uh i i think Bell that do like whoa the legend uh you know playing mm-hmm. Barry's mother I I mean wonderful to see her on screen again I don't think I've seen her on the big screen since maybe Pan's Labyrinth I actually don't remember if I have um and yeah she's like terrific like she shows up I think for a totally different movie in some respects you know because she's just but she's, a she's capital a actor. she
1: locks in the emotion that we're talking about though mm-hmm. like so much Seriously. of why that works is her performance it's really really good so mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah, And also, Sasha Sasha Kaye, I, I thought that she was... Uh, I, I'm a little bummed, you know, the movie they kind of had in mind for her. Uh, not, not Batgirl, that was what they were going to do with Michael Keaton. There, there was another movie I think they had in the wings for her that got canceled or it's not going to happen. And uh, I'll be pretty sad if we don't get to see her in that role again, because I actually thought there was something to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: it kind of feels... Uh, Spoiler ish. It, it feels like wasted potential. Like a uh, you see you see a spark for this new character that we haven't seen on the big screen before. And for a lot of people, they're like, "Ooh, I want to know more about that character." And again, that's not what this movie is interested in telling. This movie is interested in telling a story about Barry with a lot of uh side characters, mm-hmm. mainly mainly character
3: Keaton. Once mainly Keaton in the eighties, though. Was that we see we've seen Supergirl on the big screen.
2: Oh, fair point. Yeah, a long, long time ago. But well, for some, most people, some
3: people's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The modern, modern movie-going audience probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And there was a but, whole show uh, on television. As that, well. That's right. We don't need to talk about that show. <laughs> what? She's what? Great. she was great in that. Was it Melissa Benoist? I think was Melissa yeah. Benoist. Yeah, the yeah, was great in
3: that. Grant Gustin. I genuinely, I always in the back of my head was thinking like, if they. They redo like a flash thing. I mean, that guy. They they should have his number. I mean, well, I know he did like a connectivity thing with uh, Ezra Miller once in the show, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, for like ten seconds yes. or something. Yeah, the, Which yes, was fun. The, sh- the show played
1: in that world. I will say, I don't care if this is spoiler. Uh, I'm j- I'm just saying it to save you the disappointment that I had. I was I was bummed that Grant Gustin didn't show up in this uh, this movie. I was too. I was yeah. I was yeah. I was really bummed. Um, we, 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 from the beginning, have been on the Grant Gustin should have remained the Flash uh, yeah. train. Um, and that's not to take away from Ezra's performance. It is just to say, I think Grant is a great Flash. Is and that I feel, good? I think he brings a, a, a pathos that, that Ezra can't quite get to. But Ezra brings a comedy that Grant doesn't quite get to. So there's, they do have their pros and cons um, for sure uh all right other things anything you guys want to talk about pros cons uh whatever what's next do we want to talk about the keaton element sure did you like it did you like the batman stuff there's a ton of batman stuff this could this you know the if it's not a flash movie it's a batman movie yeah
2: and you know me batman is my jam so Mm -hmm. uh and it's michael keaton i thought he was really good i really did i thought that the uh his uh Delivery of the character. I think that he just fell right back into that role. I think that there, this movie shows a human element to his character that I never really appreciated as much. I've, I've never, I'm one of the very few people who wasn't a fan of Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. You know, like whenever Mm -hmm. he was Bruce Wayne. I know that's what a lot of people love him for. I think that Christian Bale was the best Bruce Wayne, but man, I think that Keaton, he 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 got his number on. He got my number with this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought Keaton was uh, was great in this. I will say, my eyes rolled their hardest at a few of his lines. Um, Oh, he definitely has. We want to talk uh,
2: about the camp and cheesiness of this movie.
1: He he definitely has a couple. (laughs) uh, Say the line, Bart moments uh, in Mm -hmm. this, and they're horrible they are horrible. Can yeah. I just say that they're horrible? I like I hate oh, yeah. that they're in there. I just I like it's just such it's just such pointless fan service. I don't mind fan service, but I it need for me, I need it to mean something. I need it to feel more authentic than I mean, he he might as well have winked at the camera, like you know what I mean. Like there's there's he some looked fan... at the, he was looking at the camera when he said those lines. Yeah, but I don't think he yeah. was technically meaning to break the fourth wall. I don't think that was the point. But I mean, it feels like it. Like some fan service breaks the four, yeah, the fourth wall uh, too hard, and I think that happens in this movie a couple times. So
3: yeah.
2: You want to get cheesy? Let's get cheesy. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. You
2: honestly want for some me, cheese keeping... with those nuts?
3: keaton and uh it's it's like the kiersey clemens thing too she plays uh, iris west and i just think they're check boxes Mm -hmm. because because i I, that's the way that sums this whole movie up for me honestly is that why is she in this movie well she's iris west of course she's in a flash movie and that's about all the thought that they put into it because when you actually like watch the movie i mean her she really doesn't impact the plot. She doesn't really impact Barry. You know, there's there's more chemistry between Ezra Miller and Ezra Miller than <laughs> <laughs> Ezra Miller and Piercy Clance. Yeah. And I kind of feel similarly about Michael Keaton. I feel like it's just forced. And it, it bums me out because I want Michael Keaton to have that Batman return, that really, like, I want them to have their Spider-Man No Way Home moment. Mm-hmm. They're gonna rip it off, do it. Why not? Yeah. Uh, no one's stopping you. But doing it in a flash movie and especially the way they do it because just all the multiverse implications they kind of try to bring about in this i mean aside from i do think the way they visualize time travel while the effects themselves are really off-putting to me uh and really ps2 graphics going on there um just the concept of it is actually pretty cool the time bowl yeah, yeah i was like okay that's yeah. a different way to show time travel let's do that uh but i think like trying to cram the michael keaton batman with like the cheesy costumes and the red logo into an ezra miller flash continuity it it raises a lot of questions that i can't really get to without spoiling things but it's just like those things just didn't mix Mm -hmm. like seeing those characters on the poster and seeing them interact with each other i assumed that he got like sent in from another multiverse essentially but nah, he's just he's there that, that's his world too. And there, there are just some strange things going on. And, and I, I know we're already off the positives at this point, I guess, but you said anything. Um, <laughs> I do think the Aquaman joke uh, involving um why Aquaman isn't in this continuity that, that did get a hearty chuckle from me. <laughs> nice. So I'll, I'll give it that.
1: Well, and that is, and that is something I would put in the positive column And part of the reason I think I was entertained for most of this movie is I think it has a good sense of humor. I think this movie really does have a good sense of humor for the most part. Oh
2: yeah. Um, I laughed a lot.
3: They got, they got a Daily and uh, the the Game Night guys. Um mm-hmm. John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein uh worked on the script with uh, Christina Hodson. Yeah.
1: That that makes a lot of sense to me. Um yeah, that's the it it's definitely a funny movie. So, um I was entertained. Uh I think for my main negative, um I know you said you started to feel the vibe towards the end of the movie, uh John, I it lost me towards the end. I the end to me was in my mind, the worst execution of the idea of, hey, we're in the multiverse. Let's play with all the toys. Like, it, it plays with I think with John's all the- talking about after that.
3: Are you talking about after that? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this much because, again, I don't sure. want to give too many things away. But the, the ending, like, when the point and the message of the movie really starts to crystallize... Sure, Yes. Like we wrap up not just the second act, but we're kind of like right past the climax. That saved the movie for me. Yes, yes. Like saved it because I was so checked out. Um, Also, real quick, I love someone commented that uh, Grant Gustin should have played the other Flash instead of Ezra playing both. (laughs) Oh, Yes, 100 percent. 10 out of 10. You are correct. Um, Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I I
1: would love that. Um, yeah, so anyways, yes, I'm with you. After that stuff, there are some thematic emotional beats that I think do really bring home the message of the movie in, I think, a really powerful way. But the, hey, let's play with all our toys moment, I think is handled worse than any other multiverse. Uh, and, this, and this includes, by the way, the Doctor Strange movie, which I didn't think handled its toys very well. Um, I think it handled it better than this. And uh, I just think it is... There's nothing there's no there's there's nothing other than nostalgia that they're trying to milk through those moments. um and that's that's annoying to me uh, and and it didn't I, I didn't i I liked the visuals. I just didn't like the ideas of you know, oh, we're gonna send the camera into this multiverse and these things are happening and uh, I don't know it just it didn't work for me
3: Reminded mean like the word love and thunder, like the floating head. Kind of effect, (laughs) (laughs) a little bit, a little bit funny.
1: I will say the
2: CGI in this movie is really, really bad. Like it's it's bad. Especially whenever we live in an era where superhero movies are at their zenith, you know, like they're whenever. And this is a big movie too. It's not like a a little indie house superhero movie. No, this is a giant studio. Who has put their money, like a lot of money, into the budget for the CGI, and it does not deliver? There is some gumby-looking stuff, like the the Bat-flex stuff. Uh, that's all like it, it, it's it's unlike anything we've seen him. By the way, that's not spoilers. That's all in the trailers. Um, that uh that whole element is just uh, wasted. I think like it didn't feel like the Batfleck that we'd seen. Over the past
1: couple movies. He
2: He
3: literally says, Don't let your tragedy shape you. You're Batman. <laughs> You're all about tragedy shaping you. Yeah.
1: In fairness, he does have a line where he says, I'm not good at this. Uh like he, he's at least self aware to know that you
3: Don't know, be like, like mm-hmm. me, kid.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I took it. Like yeah, I yeah. this but is the Michael where King I'm Batman's just
3: like things worked out. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's oh, yeah. another. You should you should do it.
1: <laughs> uh, this can be my one last thing, because I don't know that I have a ton uh, more to say. So if you guys have anything else you want to get out there, uh, start thinking about it now. But I for me, my one last thing is I think the Keaton um, stuff, it, it threatens. It doesn't threaten. It becomes the movie for so much of the movie that when the movie finally goes, actually, it's not about that. You've already lived it being about that too much for it not to be about that. And I and mm-hmm. that is what's unfortunate about that is a couple of things. Number one, the thing that it's actually about is is really interesting and beautiful and good. Uh, and number two, that Keaton stuff, and I don't I don't mean his acting, those guys, kind of, I just mean the things that that part of the movie was trying to accomplish doesn't mean anything means absolutely nothing because we know nothing um, uh, about what it means. And the movie actually goes to great pains as we start to get to the end to really confuse us as to uh, any of what it means or what's going on. Um, So because the movie made it so much about that for so long, I think it really does diminish the movie's ability to to land fully, at least with me. So I wanted to mention that. What about you guys? Do you guys have one last thing? The most vital and
2: important post credit scene of any superhero movie ever ever
1: <laughs> no, I mean there is one, but
2: what did you guys think? Skippable.
1: the one at the very end, yeah. it was dumb, yeah. I mean it was just yeah. d- I mean that's the only word I had for it. I was just like, what are we doing yeah.
3: you're gonna do a gag, uh, yeah. make it funny. I don't know my bladder's been yeah.
1: exploding for the last five minutes of credits, Thank and you. this is what I waited that's why
3: for I <laughs> so
2: mad that's why I was so mad I'm like, this is why I stayed I gotta go. <laughs>
3: My my one last thing is that, again, with the Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, I think what really cinches it for me when comparing these two movies, it's hard not to. They're coming out so close to each other. But to me, Across the Spider-Verse was all about pushing back and questioning canon comic mm-hmm. book lore fandom our expectations in comic book movies and there, there was this whole message in that movie of like you know you don't have to just fridge every character um right uh, fridging is you know we've just been doing it this way for so long and, and the flash is so weird because it's it's kind of like wrapping itself in it and Correct. i think for like reasons that make sense i mean why wouldn't it so many other movies do that kind of thing i mean um there's one thing i did like about deadpool too is that it kind of like subverted that a little bit but this movie just it's like I don't know it would it would be team Miguel I guess in terms of uh, of that movie. It's, it's just hard to watch it cuz it just it's so obsessed with you know like sending home that message. Even though it's it's a message with an element of truth that I like. I think that we can kind of get stuck in the past and we can kind of try to like you know our our headspaces go back in time and you know if it's a trap to try to think like oh if I could relive this moment blah 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 when you should just kind of focus on what's coming next. Um and the, I don't know. I think the way that this movie handles it is just so uh, outdated um unfortunately. And it makes sense considering it's a movie that they've had in the, you know, in a production process for so many years now and so it, it was kind of hard for for me to like come out of this really like ready for more flash stuff even though it's mm-hmm. like i've been wanting a flash movie for so long growing up on like justice league you know the cartoons and always loving the flash character and i should have been so stoked for this movie you guys i should have been oh. like when i got to the theater like in my seat nervous giggling you know like it's star wars force awakens night i couldn't have been less enthused uh you know i was just kind of sitting there scratching my chin so uh, and i mm-hmm. was after the movie too yeah. I'm glad people are liking uh, it, other people.
1: I don't know that I don't know it's too much of a pushback, but I would say that I think the two movies actually do have a slight difference in the approach to what they're saying. One is talking about the established past. One is talking about the established future. And those are two different things. And I actually think both movies kind of handle the philosophy of those things pretty well. Um, because the message of the Flash or what's going on there has a lot to do with changing the past, whereas Spider-Verse has a lot to do with there are things coming in your future that you can't change. And so I think that requires a shift in perspective because of the fact that we literally only exist in the moment we exist in. Uh, So, um, so yeah, I don't know if that's much of a pushback. I I kind of agree with what you're saying, but I do think there is a slight distinction on, on what they're talking about and and what
3: they're saying. There is. I feel like we'd have to like really get into a spoiler space to really hash that out. But uh,
1: for both movies, seriously. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, My one
2: last thing is I think that there's going to be a a really, for me anyway, a rewatchability element to this movie to see how I feel on a second or even third viewing, because mm-hmm. it's possible that this movie could go up or down in my estimations.
3: Sure. As the first time you're watching right. it is rewatching it or rewatching Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's you're true. not
1: wrong. You're not wrong, which plays in again to my why are we making so much of the movie about this? Uh, all right, let us move on to our second review. Um, let's talk about Pixar's Elemental.
0: meet the residents of Element City. Air usually has their head in the clouds. Oh, my new jacket. Earth can be a little seedy. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing weird
2: going on here. Uh, just a little pruning. Water is always getting into
1: something. (laughs) Help!
3: And fire, as ordered, we run a little hot.
1: In a city where fire, water, land, and air, Avatar? Residents live together. A fiery young woman a go, and a go-with-the-flow guy will discover something elemental, how much they have in common. It is Pixar's Romeo and Juliet. Let's go. Um, uh, what did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dick, uh, didn't like it, hated it, or it was just okay? Andrew, you start this time. Loved it absolutely loved it absolutely loved it uh john what about you low side of liked it okay low side of liked it and i'm on the low side of loved it um i uh i it's a pixar movie guys i don't know what to tell you uh andrew what uh you actually seem to have loved it more than me so tell me about uh, all the things you loved about this movie Wow. I mean two
2: of the highest Pixar guys I know, not highest, but you know, highest ranked Pixar guys I know, I feel kind of, you know <laughs> taken aback. Here's, here's your lie. key no.
1: and your robe. That's right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: I have been initiated. No Ooh, I, I'll go the ahead Pixar, and say <laughs> we do, we do do we okay. do Google Gobble Google Gobble. One of us um I think that the the really the thing that really allows me to just sink my teeth into this movie is the fact that i can't there's an in for me and that is the fact that I took over my family's business mm. so that there is an element to this movie that I was able to immediately you know connect with and you know find my emotional footing and then everything else was just gravy there's so much Beautiful storytelling going on, I think, about metaphors about race relations, about immigration. Uh, This movie is basically just a a New York City immigration metaphor is what it felt like to me. Mm -hmm. Like Elemental City feels so much like New York City to me. Um, There's great characters. There's so many things to love about this movie.
1: Yeah, Um, I I would like to talk about the metaphor of this movie forever. I just want to talk about it forever because I find it really complex. (laughs) I find it I almost find it difficult to really find my footing with this metaphor because I think it is mostly talking about culture and immigration, and not necessarily wanting to go full out into racism and those kind of things. Do they interlock? Do they play together? Of course they do. But once you start to say, the fire people represent this race, the water people represent this race. Oh, once you, that's not once what I start, was trying to say. No, 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 I know. I'm just saying... The metaphor want like if you start to make it racial, that's what the metaphor wants you to do. And then it becomes really tricky because then you're dealing with all sorts of racial stereotypes. And I mean, you're dealing with a society where people base every one of their names on their defining characteristic of difference to the other people, right? All the water people are Wade and, you know, whatever, and the fire people are Ember and whatever, and it's just like it, it would be as if, if you want to take the racial angle, you know, uh, I was named white guy, and, you know, and, you know, you were named Asian guy or whatever it might be, um, and it's just like, so you can't quite go into the racial metaphor of it without it getting really
3: messy in my well, brain. If you did, it, would and so, ethnicity make that easier? Because it's less more about Irish you know you know
1: correct correct and that's what that's where where I'm talking about uh immigration and culture and ethnicity is the perfect way to say that thank you John yeah the ethnicity part of it um I think is a lot easier because it's 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 inescapable that that's what the movie is is about I mean it's clear that the movie is um talking about those things um so but it, it was throughout the movie I'm just like oh if this is the metaphor what are they saying in this scene (laughs) they're just like i don't know that i like what they're saying in this scene if that's the metaphor like so it just got a little weird at a few points i don't know if this is what you mean but
3: specifically there were moments in this movie where i was like okay so you know people should be more accepting of each other and like you know Mm -hmm. uh, interracial relationships you know i'm in an interracial relationship Mm -hmm. i certainly connected with that uh my parents they're not immigrants cuz Puerto Rico is a territory but they had an immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. They didn't know English when they moved here. Right. Uh, but uh, there were times in this movie though where I was like, but you know this movie's kind of saying like don't be racist. Yeah, that's great. Um but also it's inescapable that these characters kind of have like a reason for why they're not uh together. <laughs> yes, that was that was exactly where I was going, John.
1: Like, <laughs> I exa- fire and water are physical opposites that's not the case with racial issue like you know what i mean there there are no physical it, reasons yeah there, so,
3: it does come together though at a certain point in the movie where it is sort of saying it's like it's more of a fear-based thing and like right. human beings do have the capacity to hurt each other harm each other based on all mm-hmm. kinds of things uh but this movie sort of says like you shouldn't be so scared of like your fellow person um so i, I do think that they they knew that that was going to be a thing. And then so they inserted some story Mm -hmm. material to kind of smooth that over whether or not it'll work for you. Kind of, you know, miles will vary. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm an overthinker. And so that's just always going to come with its, uh, its difficulties. But, um, but I think it handles it really well. I, I don't think that the, the themes or the metaphors or those kind of things in any way made me, distracted from enjoying the movie or understanding what was going on. Um, it just, my brain was going a mile a minute at times being like, why, you know, so the cloud people play sports, you know, like that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's just like, what, what, you know, so this, this game, this sport, it's, it's only for the cloud people. Like the, the other uh, pe- people's can't even play this because of the way it's played. Like, I don't know. It just, it got, it got weird for me at, at times trying you know, my brain just kept, uh, Plowing through stuff, so yeah. Anyways, continue, uh, Andrew, with uh, other things you enjoyed.
2: Uh, well, like I uh, alluded to earlier, the I did take over my family's business, so that was an easy end for me. And seeing, you know, the struggle of this character Ember of wanting to live up to not only the expectations of her family but also the uh the desire to make them proud you know uh it, it's it's a lot to put on somebody and i want to make this very clear my parents didn't force me to take over the company i asked mm-hmm. to this, this it was my choice and everything um but i can un- honestly see that this uh, this weight this uh, burden that is being put on uh, ember's shoulders is it's a very real thing and uh it it just made her a very empathetic character because it's not just that element of her. And I won't get into spoilers uh, uh, about like uh, her character arc, because I do think that there are some major spoilers that we want to uh, steer clear of in this movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, some other things. Uh, One of the things I love is that if you're going to go into this ready to play the, hmm let me figure out who voices uh who are the famous people that voice these characters game guess what Not buddy people. well uh, us joe <laughs> perra super fans uh
3: we had a time and a half getting to listen to joe perra give his uh his a uh, brilliant perfect uh dolce tones as uh as uh, mm-hmm. one of the bureaucrats yes. soil characters in this mm-hmm
1: that's right. You may know Joe Pera. Yes, that's correct. I mean, you know, Catherine O'Hara. She has a, you know, a, a part in this. Uh, Wendy McClendon. Uh, you may know Laya from Lewis, uh,
3: she was in that movie. Uh, it was like a Netflix movie. The other half of me or something like that. I forget the exact name. And uh, Mamadou Ati. At- 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 I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. Uh, I don't know his voice, but I do remember him from Jurassic World and uh, like that Netflix mm-hmm. show. Also, uh, Ronnie Del Carmen mm-hmm. voices a character. And I actually got to meet Ronnie. um years ago uh at pixar when because uh, he was a story artist for inside out so it's cool to see his name there oh nice yeah cool guy that's cool and this um, is a
2: uh, peterson's first time directing second. or did he also direct like no Year? he
3: directed uh the good dinosaur um but he kind of took that over from bob peterson okay
2: okay yeah so maybe that's where i was getting confused he was in yeah, like he was a voice actor for yes. Lightyear, though, right? Yeah,
3: and uh, Up as well. Okay. Uh, or wait, no, he didn't voice a character in Up. They based uh, the Russell character's, like, persona or, like, likeness on him, sort of.
2: Speaking yeah. of Up, are we going to talk about that?
1: <laughs> the short? Yeah. No? I mean, we we did you have some things you wanted to say?
2: It made me cry. And I wasn't <laughs> a fan of that. I wasn't ready for that. I don't know why I'm the big grump. I got week. Upped again. I did
1: not like the short <laughs> at all. Again. I, I actually did. It's the first Pixar short I haven't liked. Uh, I, really? I, I Yeah, I watched it, and I was just like, I, I am not confused. I was like,
3: when's the this. part that is interesting? I don't know. It, 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 but, it, Andrew, other people have been saying, like, I loved it. It made me cry. And I've been yeah. confused. I'm yeah. like, what's wrong with me?
2: <laughs> well, I'm with okay, you, apparently. Well, at least I'm not alone, then, because, like... Uh Man's best friend, that element got to me. But whenever he's talking to the picture, you know, oh, mm-hmm. man, that that slayed me. Mm. Yeah. yeah, oh, that hurt. In a good yeah. way. In a good yeah. way.
1: Yeah. Um, so I did want to mention that I continue to appreciate Pixar's uh, story-first approach in uh, casting voices. Um, I think that's really, really been a hallmark of how they have succeeded. And I'm glad that they continue uh, to do that. And I thought the performances were great. I really enjoyed, uh, I thought they were unique and fun and interesting and, uh, really enjoyed them. Um, I also think the visuals as to be expected were amazing. Some of the fire effects I just thought were so beautiful, so gorgeous. Um, there, there, there are many, many frames in this that I would put on my wall. Uh, it's just a lot, a lot of really, really pretty stuff. And it makes, and it's it's not just pretty or funny or it's all to serve a story purpose, and it often is very you know meaningful. The idea of the the colors of the fire are part of the emotion, right? And it's part of the heat. Like fire is different color at different heats, and the way that that works, and the way that that progresses. um, So. Yeah, I found it. Uh, I found it to be really gorgeous. Uh, John, some thoughts. Give us some thoughts.
3: Yeah, I, I really want to bounce off the the art style because if there is one th- thing about this movie that works for me unequivocally, it is the art direction and just the general concept of this story. And there's so many like little moments when you actually see the elements of just interacting with their environments and with each other in ways that are i don't know if they're scientifically accurate i'm not a very sciencey person but uh you know at th- the very least if a dumb person like me found them like very you know uh interesting and kind of compelling of like oh they're, they're kind of using the fire to make glass in this in this instance and All of that, that, I think, really works. And it's just nice to see a different style for Pixar movies in a way that we also saw with Luca. You know, that was one of the things I liked about Luca the most, Mm -hmm. is those characters really felt like, you know, storybook, you know, art style characters. We weren't just sort of doing the, you know, kind of rounded, mainly kind of textures and everything. Um, So I I saw there was a lot of chatter from people being like, ah, Pixar movies look the same and be like across the Spider-Verse. And that... I just think that that's uh, nonsense. You know, I, I think that mm-hmm. Spider-Verse has a style that's so brilliant unto itself and you cannot discount how good Pixar has been over the years, their attention to detail um, in the technicals. And so that that's the main stuff I like about this movie. The things I don't like about this movie are, I just don't find, I find the romance a bit too cheesy and I, I really just wanted the world to to have a stronger part of the story, I, I really just didn't feel like the elements of uh, the setting really mixed with the the plight of the characters. It, it just was a little bit hmm. surface level to me, and a lot of that happens with. Uh, I think they they avoid kind of having an out and out villain, and they sort of just kind of go for it's like an environmental sort of thing. It's kind of just a fluke and. I think that that kind of rubs against some other stuff in the movie where I thought that they were trying to go for something a little bit more, I don't know, bold and a little bit more of like, you know, what would this society really look like? And I, I thought it was interesting because Aaron, you kind of counted it as a plus where you are like, you know, you liked that it was a little bit more, uh, maybe subtle, uh, is the right word and how like people aren't just cartoonish villains. Right. And I do like that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it isn't trying to just make people a bunch of like, you know, bigoted, Boring villains that, are, of course, they're bad. There, there
1: are you know? a couple moments. There's there's some flashback moments where but it's nuanced. It, it definitely gets, but it, overall, it is nuanced. And I, I I think the the environment actually for me was part of that nuance. It is very clear that this city was built by the water people. Like everything, oh, yeah. like all the main. And so there's there's this real. I think beautifully subtle idea that for the fire people, just they they have to walk around every day in a society that is not built. So that's for them. sort of what it I mean. That is
3: actually really interesting to me. What I what disappointed right. me was that that didn't factor into really the plot and like how the characters having to kind mm. of reckon with that was just sort of glossed over and it it felt like they were solving a it little with too love. Subtle instead of like really building up to a point where wade can kind of understand for example the privilege that he has in a city like this but he's just so he's just such a perfect nice guy i think <laughs> it's like, i
1: think the 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 family scene is meant to be the wet privilege scene i think the family scene like, is meant to be <laughs> i don't want to say too much did you just call it the wet privilege <laughs> <laughs> yes, sorry <laughs> Um, I think, I think that is the, yes, that, 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 that scene to me is the scene where, you know, I don't know that any of Wade's family actually deals with understanding it much, but I think that's kind of the point because I think our perspective is from her perspective, you know, in that moment. And he, he may be starting to realize some things when he, you know, gets the chair for her to, you know. You know, take her across or whatever. Um, but I, but I agree with you that it is not um, explicit for sure, and it may be too subtle. It may, it may just be, it may, it may fail to make a as much of a point as it wants to make because it, 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 it layers it. You know, um, I, I underneath. think to that point, so. there's a
3: version of this movie that I would have loved if they had really just if they had had their Zootopia moment, because Zootopia is the obvious comparison to this. Phil's already mentioned it mm-hmm. in the chat. That's also a mm-hmm. world uh, like kind of where the city is built around the creatures that live in it. It's got like the right. allegory, you know, in terms of like racism and bigotry and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Zootopia has like a third act moment that like where everything just kind of hits, like the emotion of it and the sort of like surprise kind of message to it this movie, I don't know, I feel like it was a little bit softer on it. And that could also mm-hmm. be a thing where maybe I just didn't connect with um, the the immigrant story as deeply in terms of like taking it. Cause I, I you know, my, my parents weren't, you know, quite as like demanding of my future or anything. They're really cool about that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But at the same time, I do think that uh, there's something going on with Pixar and Disney movies where they seem to just all be about like kids doing what their parents don't want them to do. Seriously, turning red what? and strange world. Well, content you, you get a
1: bunch of, you, you get a bunch of, uh, you know, full-time artists. Yes, exactly. Uh, Thank to you. Tell a story. <laughs> that, that's like all I can think about where I'm just like,
3: I know the person who's like, like writing the script and just being like, I'll show you dad. Like,
1: it's that kind of thing. That's right. I'll, I'll tell my story. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. That's it's actually
3: happen.
2: Uh, a really good uh, segue into my, big negative for this movie. Go for it. Yeah, what is it? I have one negative for this movie. I think that only Ember is given the opportunity to grow as a character. And Mm -hmm. that is my big negative for this movie is that I think that there were so many uh, moments where Wade could have, you know, changed or noticed something about himself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very one-sided. If there's... One of the things with relationships is compromise, you know, and I think that throughout this entire movie we see moments where Ember is compromising over and over again. I don't think I can remember a single time where I saw Wade
1: either. Well, I mean, there is the ending, but (laughs) yeah, there (laughs) is there is the ultimate compromise. In terms of the courtship, right? Right, yeah,
2: yeah. I guess that's what the courtship. That's a really good way of putting it. Is that uh, he he is a very well adjusted person. He is, you know, very in tune with his emotions and everything like that. He seems to be mentally a very healthy person. <laughs> but at the same time, that doesn't mean that he is the perfect. It, it kind of reminded me of those old, uh, old classic Disney films like Sleeping Beauty or, uh, Cinderella, where the man is perfect and he just comes in and he saves the woman, you know? And mm-hmm. at moments, I kind of got that feeling in this, whereas like, is Wade not gonna be, you know uh, I know he's not a human, but he's is he gonna be a, a perfect man, you know? <laughs> where he just gets everything? But like you said, Aaron, there are there is at that moment at the very end where he does grow as a character. I just think that there could have been many, many more. Uh, moments throughout the film where we see his character change
1: I agree with you i th- I do think the 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 film feels its limited scope in some ways and uh and I think that is definitely one of them um, uh, where it is the only other character I remember having any sort of emotion for was the father um, yeah. and I think there's th- that 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 was the 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 uh patented catch me off guard emotional moment in this movie was dealing with the the father and I'm like oh all of a sudden I'm crying thanks pixar uh
3: yeah that, seriously that, um,
2: but <laughs> you uh, get
1: me again <laughs> you got me with the
2: short and you got me with the ending i so, do like
3: yeah. how much they're able to do with so few characters you know, they, they aren't mm-hmm. bouncing around a huge cast. They do focus on the emotional beats that you want. But I guess that's why it's so notable to me that, yeah, agreed. I think that the the father character and the daughter character get so much uh, pathos to them. But, you know, there's just actually like a moment in the movie that where I was, it was hitting me where I was like, I see the movie is telling me why Ember would fall for weight. Because he, his go with the flow attitude seems to like cool her down and everything mm-hmm. like that. And it tries to say that like the thing that she, or that he sees in her is that basically she is like bright and sort of like, she's like a creative energy, I guess, or like the fire Mm -hmm. of her is exciting to me. I thought she inspires him to me. That was like, I don't know. It just, it wasn't balanced. Like, I think like the motivation she had for him made way more sense. It was, I, I don't know. It, to me, like the what he saw in her felt almost superficial um, because like you don't get a lot of moments where he gets annoyed with her because that's part of like what grows the is chemistry it? for her with him is at first she's like annoyed by him, but she, she starts to come to realize that she wants a person like that in her life. His version is yeah, he likes her right away. You know, it's like love at first I'm- bright.
1: Uh, I'm love it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, say something that I'm not sure I believe. I'm just saying it for discussion purposes, but is this kind of what we've been asking movies to do though, is to treat the male character in the romance as the, you know, just kind of piece and really give the, the agency and the story and everything to the female character. Not me. You know what I mean? Like the No, (laughs) John's like, not I, um, no, I think I, I totally agree with you. I think the better story involves two people who are growing towards something. Um, but I will say the balance, uh, there have been many, many uh, romantic stories, rom-coms, whatever through the years where it was all about the man's story and his growth. And the woman just was there as, you know, uh, something, uh, on the, uh, on the page, you know, not given a lot of, um, those kind of things, but uh, but yes, I think it is best. Yeah, if, like
3: a good example, right? Is uh, <laughs> you know the first thing I thought of was everything, everywhere, all at once, where the the central romance, right, between in that case two people who were you've been married for a long time, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's that movie is so much about how really like the agency between. The two characters, Michelle Yeoh and K. Y. Kwan, like there's right. a reason they both got nominated. You know, I th- I do think yes. that that's the romance that hits. It, that's
1: the better version of this. Absolutely, I I, I, I feel agree, bad absolutely. for
3: comparing this yeah. Pixar movie yeah. meant for twelve year olds. <laughs> uh, for you didn't have the same multiversal madness as everything everywhere All at once. Best well, Picture winner. L-
1: let me talk about this because this is one of my negatives. You say made for twelve year olds.
3: Um, I don't think it is.
1: I don't know. go over I, their I, heads. I have this sometimes with, with Pixar movies, but I had it a lot with this one where I'd be watching it going, are the kids in this theater enjoying this at all? Like, I, I guess they're looking at funny water creatures and, and, you know, fire creatures and there's the occasional pratfall, but not, not that really funny. much in this one. It's, it's not that, especially on a, like a child funny level, it's not that funny of a movie. Um, is this more of a uh, you know uh, Pixar's adult film, <laughs> uh, it, so to speak? It reminds me of like Inside Out, not the kind that the audience is thinking. No, but yes, it is. Inside
3: Out's <laughs> the better version of that. I isn't don't know.
1: It? There was some hardcore pruning. There was some <laughs> hardcore pruning in this. They did not turn that camera away.
2: There was a incredible. There's a joke at the
1: very end of
2: this movie that I thought,
1: wow, there are kids in this theater.
2: <laughs> You guys know what
1: i'm talking about i it was it was uh i forget the 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 phrase like but it was um, the father yeah, saying yeah, yeah yeah i remember yeah,
2: it certainly. starts hanky oh, and then yes yeah but i'm like wow i
3: i am kind of surprised too considering how much backlash turning red got right for just like one or two mm-hmm, scenes sure. and you know so many people were just like i can't show my kids this you know and uh <laughs> does make me kind of wonder you know if they're going to be like more sensitive about that um which i would find unfortunate because come on kids like that's nothing for compared to what they hear you know i say not as a father but as a uncle of nine children (laughs) yes (laughs) but no
2: i totally agree with you i think that this is definitely one of the more if not you know emotionally mature, I think that you have to be a little bit more intellectually mature to understand a lot of what this movie's trying to say.
1: And yet what it's trying to say, I think can be understood on a, pardon the pun, elemental level. Like I, I do think there is, you know, what, what we're seeing about uh, these ideas of discrimination and looking at how we're different from people instead of seeing how we can, um, you know, unite with people like that, that that's going to sink in in one way or another um but uh but yeah it is it didn't seem like a kids movie to me uh while watching no. it no uh do you guys have one last thing no post credit scene uh,
3: john i just i'm bummed out cuz you know i i had a feeling i wouldn't like this because i i didn't watch any of the teasers or trailers but i i was seeing billboards for this everywhere you know, living in you know the Bay Area, right? Like Pixar movies tend to play pretty well out here, and um, mm-hmm. Emeryville is like right there. And I'm just, you know, I I just I I I wanted to be surprised. That's the thing. Like, not a lot in this movie surprised me and really took me off guard. But that's usually something that I can count on Pixar for, even in movies I don't think that are super great from them. Like Finding Dory though, mm-hmm. sneaks up on you. Like in terms of like what the message mm-hmm. ends up being. Um, I think this movie you know I I don't want people to think that it's bad because I'm a bit of a downer on it I think I just have such a unreasonably high standard for what I want out of a Pixar movie that I kind of just I graded on a pretty unfair curve uh, to some extent and again Mm. it has all the ingredients for just like a killer Pixar movie I think that they have the world building there it just feels like they weren't it's like they're missing a couple of steps. And it does make me kind of wonder what's going on with the creative leadership at Pixar, because it's the same kind of thing with Lightyear. It's just like they don't seem to have that same sort of like, if it's not right, it's not right, that they used to have. Um, and I don't know what's causing that, um, if, it's, if it's a financial thing, because it's not like they can just cancel a movie like Newt like they used to you know Uh, it just seems like more and more they're they're just like we're just going to keep going forward with this even if it's not working Um, we're not going to like go through all the what happened with the good dinosaur again uh, where we basically changed the whole Mm -hmm. movie Uh, i don't know how i fully stand with that because sometimes it results in the movie being terrific you know toy story 2 was made so quickly um and it kind of thrived a little bit on the chaos of that um but yeah something's going on i my my very very last thing I think that a lot of this might stem down to the Pixar brain trust, like that, that central like group of people. I just, I, I think some of them need to maybe step aside a bit more and really start to elevate the, the newer voices at the studio. And, I know a lot of people disagree because they'll be like i love elemental what are you talking about um but for me like the ones that have stuck out have been luca and turning red quite honestly and those have been movies where you know the people behind them um i know they've been with pixar for a while but they just they're weirdos and that's where i gravitate Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah
1: sure (laughs) I think I think I'll I'll make this my one last thing. I think it's clear from watching this uh, for me, I will take the opposite perspective as you while agreeing with what you're saying. I do agree that there seems to be that final level of is the story perfect, then let's get it perfect. That's not happening uh, with Lightyear and with this. But I think the other opposite side of that is there is a lot of the Pixar ethos that continues to remain solid. And I like that. I like the idea of, um, you know, uh, casting for story first, like I talked about before. Um, I, I like the idea that they are still doing original movies when they could just go back to the sequel, you know, well, every single time. Um, and get locked in, you know, doing the seventh Shrek movie or whatever it might be. Um, I'm so happy I saw so this on the big I, screen to that
3: point, not just Disney Plus.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, there are parts of the Pixar experience that I think are alive and well, but I, but I am, I am with you in that there are also, there also is that final level of, um, just right, just solidness uh, to the story that is that is missing here. Even though, again, I enjoyed it, I, I, I uh, I loved it. So yeah, Uh, that is Elemental. Uh, You can check that out now in theaters. Uh, All right, let's do a best ever challenge, guys. Uh, But before we do, do, I I do want to thank our uh, Sift Pop members. Thank you so much for supporting at Patreon. Means the world to us. Uh, We do a little pre-show for you guys uh, when we record. um, and Andrew is leading those off. We talked about a few things on this one, uh, including some Guillermo del Toro talk, uh, some talk about uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Um, as well as answering one of your questions. If you have questions and you are a SIFPOP member, you can send those to Andrew, andrewsifpop.com. Um, and if you want to be a member, just go to Patreon, patreon.com slash SIFPOP. If nothing else, you can kind of check out what it's all about, see what the uh, members only podcast uh, looks like, all that kind of fun stuff. So again, check that out, patreon.com slash SIFPOP, and we appreciate you for even checking it out. Uh, all right best ever challenge best ever actor comeback movies we will go from number five to number one if you hear a choice on somebody's list lower than you have it we can trump. we can trump it so uh, let's start I'll start uh, on this one at number five and again this is returning to a role after at least 10 years not being in that role um, so there we go Uh, my number five, I think I'm the only one that will have this, is Dick Van Dyke coming back for Mary Poppins Returns. Um, I swear I I thought
2: you were going to have this at your number one. I genuinely forgot. (laughs) Just (laughs) for the fact that it was Dick Van Dyke. I forgot
1: he
3: was in it, quite
1: honestly. Yeah. Um, this, this is, I think this is a really good movie. I would not have put it on my list if I didn't. Um, I... I'm a big Mary Poppins fan. I'm a huge Dick Van Dyke fan. And to watch him in his 90s, uh, just continue to do the things that he does, including being on The Masked Singer this last year. Uh, How did he do that? It's just wild. Um, May we all uh, have that much energy. It's like uh, 95,
2: 96. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's wild. Uh, But anyways, Mary Poppins Returns is a good movie. That is my number five. Uh, John, why don't you go next?
3: I'm going to say Ian McDermott who came back to the star Wars movies. And uh, I just put the prequel trilogy um, to be accurate, but really like seeing his character start to flourish in revenge of the Sith. Um, But yeah, in between return of the Jedi. And then of course, phantom menace, like there, there is, and look, I I knew I had to pick one star Wars character. How could I not? Um, I'm a millennial, but (laughs) of all of them, the one that I just think is just the most like fun in, in, just when you're looking at the prequels and then coming back to the future trilogy and everything Ian McDermott, who does come back to, I could have also said rise of Skywalker, but that would have been a bad idea. I would have been talking about a bad movie. Um, (laughs) I do think the prequel trilogy has good stuff in it. And McDermott is far and away. My favorite thing about those, like close to like, I think even McGregor as well, but uh, yeah, McDermott. I mean, he's just, he's the emperor. He's the dark Lord of the Sith. He's my boy. He is. There you go. Uh,
1: all right, Andrew. What is your number five? I'm going to go with Albert Brooks and Finding Dory. Hmm. Was there ten years between Nemo and Dory? There it is, yeah. Thirteen I think there was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. It's Wild, call. right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, this is nowhere near as good as the first movie. I'll just say that. I don't want to, you know, give people that impression. But there are moments of magic in this movie. Um, that I think that the, that it does recapture from the first one. Finding Nemo is my favorite Pixar movie. It's without a doubt. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so there really wasn't much of a chance for it to, uh, uh, it would have been a high bar for it to meet the second, the sequel, but it's still a really good movie. Uh, Idris Elba as the seal screaming off gets me every time. (laughs) Nice. Every time.
1: Good choice, good choice. Uh, my number four, I might get trumped. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going with uh, Paul Newman as Eddie Felsen in The Color of Money. Ooh. Are you giving me the nod for the button?
2: No, I'm giving you a nod for
1: good. Oh, okay. 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 It was my one yeah. of my honorable mentions. Um, yeah, Color of Money is really good. It kind of... <laughs> It kind of blows my mind that uh, Scorsese directed this. Like every time I'm like, wait, this is a Martin Scorsese movie. I don't think of it as a Scorsese movie. It's one of those weird things. Um, But it's really good. Uh, I think it's maybe where Tom Cruise is really starting to polish the edges like on his shtick. And so he, like he really works in this movie really, really well. He's really figuring it out. And Paul Newman's Paul Newman, uh, in case you didn't know, uh, and the pool (laughs) stuff is really fun and interesting. Um, I highly recommend the color of money. Uh, check that one out. Uh, that is my number four. Uh, John, what's your number four?
3: My number four is Willem Dafoe and Spider-Man no way home. And Mm -hmm. I, this was tough because it was between him and Alfred Molina um mm-hmm. I went with Defoe because I just I, I've seen no way home twice and what he does with the goblin character is just like that's a character that didn't even need a bookend because you know everything was kind of said and done with that trilogy mm-hmm. and yet Defoe showed up, did not phone it in and found just like a new ground for the character uh, in a way that uh impresses, the thing that impresses me the most about it, Is that after so many Spider-Man movies and with so much other stuff in Spider-Man No Way Home, he still stands out. He's still like full on with that character and both sides of it, you know. Because so much of the movie, he is like the good, you know, Norman Osborn, whatever that means, and that's what makes, of course, his uh, his dark descent even even darker. Uh, So, oh yeah, it was it was Defoe for me, and uh, yeah. I thought about Andrew Garfield, but I was like, it hadn't hadn't been 10 years uh, between Amazing Spider-Man 2. (laughs) Goodness said him.
2: If I would have thought of it, it would have been on my list. It would have been pretty near the top. Um, Yeah, if you think of the old Sam Raimi ones, there was a level of campiness to them that he shakes off for this role, but it still feels like the same character, which is very difficult to do. Good pick.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew, what is your number four? I'm gonna go with
2: Jeff Bridges and Tron Legacy.
1: Tr-up! There we wow. go. But not for long. It is my number three. Uh so we'll we'll talk about it now. Um nice. I love Tron Legacy, uh unabashedly so. Uh I I think it is uh I it's Okay, I get. to be careful with my declaratives, but I feel like it's so clearly better than the original Tron. Like, they're, they're, like I go back and I watch the original Tron, and I'm like, man, what a fun concept. This movie is terrible. <laughs> and I watch this one, and I'm like, this is that concept in a more interesting way for me. Um, and yes, young Jeff Bridges is a little shaky on the CG front. Uh, we weren't quite well, there yet, but it's not out? bad. Um, what did you say, Andrew? When did this movie come out? 2011,
3: 2012 somewhere. 2011, yeah. It, yeah.
1: It was, yeah, it was yeah,
2: 13 so years ago or whatever. So. It's still for the time. It still holds mm-hmm. up. But they're also I in think. a
3: computer. I, I, I gave it a pass when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: fair. <laughs> yeah. I'm down with that. I'm down, down with that explanation. Um. So yeah, talk about it, Andrew. What are some of the reasons you had it on your list? Hands
2: down for me personally, the best soundtrack of any oh, movie ever so made. Good. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've loved Daft Punk ever since I was a little kid um so f- to see them score a movie and for that s- movie to be the sequel to tron is like i don't think they could have got anybody better like i really it don't seems
1: perfect yeah
3: i've rewatched yeah, the movie
2: yeah. but no the visuals it's i've
3: perfect. rewatched the movie only like once but i do come back to the trailer pretty often because <laughs> it's such a good trailer <laughs>
1: fun fun uh all right so that's my number three uh john what's your number three
3: my number three is keanu reeves and the matrix resurrections a movie that I only continue to love more and more. I because I when I first saw this, I was like, "What am I watching? What? No, come on!" Because I genuinely had no idea how to react. And then I saw it again, and mm-hmm. I was like, "I love this. This is this is brilliant." And a lot of it has to do with Keanu Reeves and, of course, Carrie Anne Moss as Trinity. Like they are just a force in this. If I could have said two people, uh, I, I was considering putting Keanu moss on the list as well. Uh but no, I just <laughs> Keanu Reeves, man. I mean, when he when he gets into the Neo role and balances it with like that larger than life persona he's cultivated kind of during the John Wick years, uh but also like just that that kind of like he has that goofiness that he has in a movie like Always Be My Maybe and he mm. kind of like adds it to the Matrix. And the fact that he can just do that and it doesn't not only does it not suck it fits and it's brilliant and it adds to the story and the heart of it and the romance of it i just uh i was so happy and, and I, that was a movie i th- expected to despise because i was like they're not going to be able to do this like i don't trust them um but i was happily wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> uh okay moving on um <laughs> let's see number
1: three for you andrew uh, Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens. Ooh, Come
2: on, Aaron. I,
1: no, I I thought of that one. I I actually, oh. uh, I, I, it's in, it's my first honorable mention. I I like The Force Awakens a lot. Um, I I I had wished they hadn't. Put the like the Luke cameo right at the end of the Force Awakens because then I could have said the Last Jedi, uh, but uh, yeah. but and that would have been a for sure one on my list. But Force <laughs> Awakens is great; it is my first uh, honorable mention. So yeah, talk about it.
2: Yeah, um, it's the only f- film of the new trilogy that I actually like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I a lot of people say, well, it's just a New Hope uh, made again. I'm like, well, New Hope is one of the best movies ever made. So (laughs) how's that a bad thing? Um, I think that the introduction of Kylo Ren is such a as such a fascinating character, like a character, a villain who I did not expect in the star Wars franchise because he's so damaged and conflicted by who he wants to be. And that, if there's one thing I can say that I love about Last Jedi and uh, uh Rise of Skywalker is that they've, they continued with that conflict within him to where I don't know, even by the end of the third movie with his character and stuff like, which way is he going to go? You know, is he going to, you know, be with the dark side? Is he going to be a Sith? Or is he going to be a, sky uh, Rise of Skywalker, is he going to give up the way of the the dark side and become Jedi again. So that's my big takeaway from this new franchise is I think Adam Driver just slayed it as Kylo Ren.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, on to our number twos. Um, yep. This is Micah Trump. I'm going with uh, Tom Cruise in Top Gun Maverick uh, as my number two. I um, didn't think of it. I'm still in awe of this movie. Uh, It's just such a fun, well-made movie. had such a great time with it. Uh, And uh, it's, yeah, it's in at my number two. So there you go. It would be my number one if I'd have thought of it, but...
3: (laughs) It's in my honorable mentions. (laughs) Whoops. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, John, what's your number two? My
3: number two is Harrison Ford, but not for The Force Awakens, uh, but for Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. Oh, my gosh. I and and I genuinely was considering like, oh, I'll probably do uh, Blade Runner 2049. I had that on the list as my number two. And then I saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny yesterday (laughs) and I I changed it (laughs) (laughs) because I was like, oh, my God, because I wasn't expecting much. I mean, I I really like the Indiana Jones trilogy. They don't hit me as hard as I think a lot of other people. Uh, I love the movies, don't get me wrong. Um but I I don't think I'm like a, as obsessed with Indiana Jones as other people my age, I guess. But uh Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is probably a big reason for that. That that was the first one I ever saw on the big screen, you know? Like I have gone to like drive-ins and stuff and watched Temple of Doom, you know, and had fun doing that, but Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I was just like, "Oh, this sucks." Like, I don't no thank you. Um And then I went, I saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and I just seeing Harrison Ford get back into that hat and just like come back to this character and just, you know, he's not, he's not Harrison Bored I'll tell you that much. Um, he's just nice. He's using his age as a weapon, um, in a way that's just so fascinating and he does it so well. And I also thought of force awakens too, because I think there's a lot of that too in force awakens. I agree with Andrew uh, a lot actually in, in terms of that, but, uh, no, for me, dial of destiny is just like, like quintessential like silver age harrison ford whatever you want to call it.
1: Well, that is exciting to hear, folks. hear. That is exciting Good to movie. hear. Um we you know. will uh we will see it uh here shortly and and review it shortly. Um uh I'm excited more excited now to that uh, that you said that. Uh all right, Andrew, what is your number two? Going to go with Bruce Willis and Split the no he didn't mm-hmm. the no i,
2: I knew he didn't. as soon as somebody no mentioned that didn't.
3: i was like okay that's coming up later <laughs> in the pre-show yeah
2: whenever you mentioned it earlier i'm like ooh, you just wait yeah, yeah. um wow uh i did not wow for the reveal yes mm-hmm. split's a good movie split is a very good movie i think that uh uh, what's his name? Uh...
1: Split is a decent movie that becomes a great movie in the last uh, ten minutes when you realize what you realize and how it changes the rest of the movie. It's it's this it's this weird thing. I've never had an experience like this before, where the last moments of the movie wash over the rest of the movie and and make it even better. Like it's just it's. So I didn't great.
3: even like the movie, but I, I, I think still that...
1: like the last part.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, really. Maybe I'm just on an island. No, then. I know a lot of people. McAvoy, I remember
3: we were split on split. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Like I, there were people mm-hmm. who were telling me, John, what's wrong with you? This movie's <laughs> so good, and yeah, yeah.
2: I think uh, McAvoy just he gives one of the best performance. It's I can't even imagine how difficult it would be to per- to do this performance because yeah there. There's times where he gets, you know, downtime in between takes that he can prepare for, you know, a different character. Mm -hmm. But there are moments in this movie where you see him transform from one character to another. And that is incredibly impressive. And, of course, this is like one of the first times I was introduced to Anya Taylor-Joy, who has become a staple in Hollywood now. Uh, Yeah, super good. I think the first thing I saw her in was The Witch. And I think this was the second thing I saw her in. So she immediately, in my mind, became, oh, she's going to be the new uh, Scream Queen, you know? But no, yeah. she. Uh, this new queen. She, uh, she's Queen's just Gambit. a
1: great actress. Yeah. Don't, don't need the scream. Scream Queen's Gambit. Uh, all right. I think we're on to our number ones then. Uh, you both had your Harrison Ford, so I'm going to have mine. <laughs> uh, my, my number one is Harrison Ford in Blade Runner 2049. Uh, That's another one if I would have thought of it. Uh, what a great yeah. movie! Um, just keeps getting better and better in my estimation. Uh, I, I it's the movie every time I think of it or mention, it, I'm like, do I have time right now to go watch it? <laughs> like, it's so amazing. Um, so yeah, Blade Runner 2049, I think is great and uh, worth mentioning in this conversation for sure.
3: Oh, there, yeah. there are a few uh, movies I tell people that's like, oh, a perfect movie doesn't exist, and then I'm like, well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> uh john what is your number one my number one very fitting everyone's gonna be like yeah okay bart stay the line uh tom hanks and toy (laughs) story three go ahead yes yes good good uh of course i mean toy story three uh which came what like 11 years after toy story two i mean it's all about the character coming back right say again was it really that yeah because between two and toy story two came out 1999 uh toy story three came out 2010 And I mean, you feel it, right? Because in in the movie's time, we're really seeing Tom Hanks go from, with the character, we're seeing Woody kind of be there when Andy is like five, six years old, all the way up to when he's 18. And just what Hanks is able to bring to that performance to get, just get across that, like the tragedy, the grief of that, but he's also a cowboy doll. So he has to have that same kind of level of just... You know, the shepherd of all these other people. And there, there was just something to like seeing that on the big screen again. Like, as somebody who, like, one of my first movies in the movie theater was Toy Story. Uh, that movie came out when I was five years old. I actually, no, when I was four. And so I watched that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We all,
1: (laughs) how do you do fellow kids? All us five-year-olds went to see Toy Story. I remember that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we smoked cigarettes after. Uh, That and then seeing Toy Story 2 on the big screen and then seeing Toy Story 3 on the big screen. I mean, that is just a a 90s kid trifecta right there. So that's it for me.
1: Good call. Totally forgot that that was 11 years uh, between them or it would have made my list as well. Um, yeah, nice one. Uh, Andrew, what is your number one? Finish this off. 2009 film starring, well, I shouldn't say
2: starring, cameoing Leonard Nimoy. I'm going to go with mm-hmm, Star Trek. That's a
1: good one. Nice. Definitely my honorable mentions.
2: Yeah. Um, I think the last time he played Spock was in Star Trek VI, which came out in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, see, yeah. It'd been a hot minute, and it's... This movie's so good. Uh, if you want to talk about perfect casting... For a movie, mm-hmm. this movie is perfect cast to get the entire crew. It's just epic. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I think that Eric Bana, as the villain, he he does a great job. There's, there's not a lot to hate about this movie. I mean, it's pretty much a, a home run yeah so I agree if I, I, love, I would have thought of all those other movies though that you guys <laughs> mentioned <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's definitely my honorable mentions i I think uh like like you said the casting carries this movie through but the movie itself is is really good as well um so yeah Star Arguably, Trek we
3: wouldn't have force awakens if it wasn't for Star Trek so
1: no it's very, very fair point. Uh, a couple honorable mentions I had, and then you guys can chime in if you have any as well. I wanted to mention 21 Jump Street, uh, which is a weird one because the role was actually on television uh, that uh, he came back yeah, for, for that movie. Maybe
2: Johnny Depp made a, a movie at 21 Jump Street back in the day. Who knows?
1: Yeah, possibly. Uh, and then I wanted to mention Scream 22 uh, as well uh, that I, I do enjoy and uh, some of the characters coming back for that. So what did you, what else did you guys have? Uh, mentioned all mine okay. I, I did john have, did you have any others you wanted to mention
3: yeah i did i did mention i had tom cruise top gun maverick and Carrie Ann moss of course uh matrix which uh i, I think matrix resurrection is aaron's favorite movie um mm, yes clearly <laughs> also uh, i was gonna say tyrese uh, fast five uh, i think that was 10 years between uh Too fast Two furious oh. and, and coming back in uh that was 2011 um for fast five and but uh, also i, I want to say mark hamill you know, from Last Jedi, I, I know like Force Awakens is where he shows up, but I would wrap that into yeah, Last Jedi yeah. for sure because um, I I don't care what anybody says. I think that what Hamill did with that character, what Ryan Johnson did to that character, I thought was really great, um, and uh, I'll I will fight uh, I agree with every you. day about that.
1: You will fight Mark Hamill himself on yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Even He said <laughs> he it. And I, I
3: think <laughs> he's not a fan. <laughs> I love Mark Hamill so much, though. For the, he's just such a passionate, uh, caring mm-hmm. person, and he's mm-hmm. so just willing to like talk to the yeah. fans like that, like where they're at. It's great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool stuff. Uh, there you go. There uh, is our best ever challenge for this week. Uh, we'll finish it off with our buried treasure, guys. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about it? Uh, John, you're our guest, so you will go last. Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off? Well, the show's kicking uh, my uh, my
2: day into a little tumble because right now is the Mid-Atlantic Open for the NXL Paintball Tournament, Ooh. which I have been watching on TV. If you're wondering why I'm wearing this get-up, this is my jersey from when I used to play on a team and tour around the U.S. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be going on today. Actually, yesterday, all the way through Sunday. Uh, many of the amazing teams that uh, have been... I've been a fans of for decades are still playing like dynasty, the Moscow red Legion, who is pictured right there. If you're watching the YouTube video, uh, then there's like iron Man. If you've never watched tournament paintball, it's not like anything you probably expect. You, a lot of people would expect, you know, like playing in a, the woods, you know, with like a bunch of camo on and stuff like that. No, it's a very competitive, highly skilled game where, the athletes and they are athletes are in top physical condition. Like they run uh, the 40 and under like what a running back does. It's, it's really impressive to see these people, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? A comp- competence porn? Like when somebody's mm-hmm. really good at their craft. That's what this is. Like people who are really good at their craft. So if you'd like to watch it, I highly recommend it. You can go on YouTube and just, if you type in Go Sports, all one word, uh, then you can watch it. They're doing live shows all day uh, through Sunday.
1: Nice. Uh, my buried treasure is by the time, if you're watching this live, it'll be about a week, but by the time you're hearing this, it'll just be a couple days. Uh, Secret Invasion uh, is dropping here soon, and uh, I have seen the first couple episodes, uh, and wow, this is a this is a little bit of a... Uh, John, I don't know if you got screeners or check this out at all, but this is a a little bit of a darker turn in my opinion and it kind of works it's kind of a good spy show uh, I've, I really enjoyed the first couple episodes so I wanted to let people know about it
3: yeah I have the I've I have heard the screeners, compare but compare it to go ahead I, I was just gonna say I haven't started it yet um, I've, I kind of heard bad mm. things but uh Compared it to what though? Well,
1: it would not be unlike me to love something that many people don't so it's it wouldn't surprise me if people are saying bad things but uh, I but like I think sure. I I think it, it I didn't have a lot of expectations going into it other than I like Sam Jackson yeah. um, and I was like I don't know that I was prepared for the type of show it was going to be and for that to resonate with me in the way it did so yeah
2: I've heard people compare it to a winter soldier if it was darker. Like, there's mm-hmm, a spy sure. element to it, but there's also a, a, I can a see level that. of seriousness that you don't really see in Marvel that much.
1: I just think that the, they understand that the idea of the Scrolls really plays well into double agents triple agents you know yeah. like it just plays really well into that kind of, like spycraft forever has been about masks in i mean look at the mission impossible movies mm-hmm. and the, you know uh, turning into other people they're basically scrolls in the mission impossible movies with what those masks yeah. can do and and there's a reason that works because you know it, it plays into spycraft and all those kind of things and so with scrolls it's just this next level of of that kind of thing how, um so yeah i think i think it works really well
3: how far we've come from the days of agents of shield when it was such a big deal that <laughs> sam jackson was in a scene of a tv show connected uh-huh. to marvel and now yeah, it's right. like you know an right. entire marvel show with him yeah
1: yeah yeah rest in peace agents of shield uh that is on disney plus if you want to check it
3: out john what is your buried treasure mine is like, like you all know me you all know i'm gonna show up with an anime it's anime time with john and uh, I've been watching yeah. a lot of anime this season. I believe you mean anime. Anime. Uh, I, I anemic. Believe. Whatever you want. <laughs> anime. Um, no, I uh, like, I love anime. Uh, I do an anime podcast now. Um, over the last few months I've been doing it. And I've been watching a lot of the new ones this season. And it was hard to pick just one. I decided not to pick one of the slice of life rom-coms. Uh, and instead go with Mashal, Magic and Muscles. And so let me, let me try to describe this to you guys. So this is basically okay. a if Harry Potter was an anime, and a parody of Harry Potter. Um, for example, mm. this show's version of uh, Gryffindor—they're burnouts, delinquents, losers—and um, not only is there like a Slytherin, they're literally trying to kill them constantly. Um, it is very, very uh, action-heavy. It's a shonen, uh, but it's playing with shonen tropes. It's also sort of playing with like how ridiculous and nonsensical harry potter is uh the main character cannot use magic um so there it's a little bit similar to other anime that have done that concept what if everybody in the world had magic powers but one person didn't uh it's that kind of story Um, my
2: hero academia
3: it's like my hero academia it's like black cover in that way but what they again what they do with it is so unique Um, it's actually kind of what I always wanted from my hero academia, quite honestly, which was the first, I think buried treasure ever did, uh, with you all. And, uh, no, this, this, it's just one season. It's about to finish up and I love it so much. It's just hilarious. It also has one of the best opening intro songs of any anime I've seen all year. Uh, I listened to it while I go like on a run. It's so, it's such a jam. Um, so if you if you like anime or if you're kind of like hey you know I want to kick off with something I like DBZ and Naruto back in the day this is one of the like newer ones that's uh, gonna get your blood pumping. Okay, very nice.
1: Uh, it looks like it's available for purchase on Apple uh, TV. The easiest uh, is Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll. The- crunchy crunchy yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crunchyroll is the streaming
3: service I use the most. If I had to pick one, it would be that one. All right.
1: Well, there you go. That is Crunchy, uh, Crunchyroll if you want to check out Mashal, Magic, and Muscles. Uh, Secret Invasion is on Disney Plus here soon. And was it Mid-XL Paintball? NXL,
2: uh, the Mid-Atlantic Tournament. It
1: it got saves. that completely wrong NXL, <laughs> <Close> the mid-atlantic <laughs> tournament uh which is uh paintballing uh let's go paintballing uh that is uh if you search for Go sports on youtube you should find the channel that uh, yes. has all that stuff if you want to check it out well we did it guys we managed to do a podcast uh, yeah we congratulations did just barely. uh just, yes just just right to the last drop Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today for Sip Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Well, thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And much love to John Negroni for coming and hanging out with us again. Um, uh, John, tell people where to go.
3: Look, I'm on Twitter, at John Negroni. And uh, I have uh, my little pop culture site where I'm the film editor. So you can find my film reviews and film reviews that I edit uh, over on inbetweendrafts.com. Uh, that's where I'm at these days. And so that's where you can find my review of Elemental. It's where you can find the review of The Flash uh, that I didn't write, but uh, one of our writers did. And uh, we're always looking for new writers. Uh, so you can write for in drafts if you want. Hit us up and uh, I will be sure to um, be the kind of editor who hopefully doesn't make you cry. <laughs> he, he hopes to be
1: the kind of editor that doesn't say butterfly, windshield wiper, half a butterfly
3: No, stop, uh, Aaron, please. <laughs> Aaron,
1: <laughs> thank you to our Sif Pop members as well for making Sif Pop a real thing. Sports starts at three bucks a month. You can check out all the details at Patreon.com/sifpop. Uh, Also, lots of ways to connect with the podcast. Leave a a comment or a rating or a review. You can do that wherever you listen, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever. Uh, You can also email us if you want to. uh, Feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too. So let them know about it and that listening is much easier than me not turning into a water person a half dozen times during a Pixar movie. Uh, (laughs) We will be back in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks and we'll talk Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny as well as Asteroid City. So we will see you then. Bye.
2: Bye.